0: All right, I'm I'm out here. We're riding along uh, this beautiful stretch of road, me and Victor, between Goldendale and uh, White Salmon. We're up and up against the Columbia on the Washington side, and it is beautiful. Uh, windswept, There's a lot of low low laying low lying uh, clouds and and, uh, and rain. Oh. But not, not so hard that you can't see or, or any of that. Anyway, uh, Victor is my coworker, my new coworker. He's crazy. I like him. All right, and that was not me farting. That that was the uh, windshield wipers. Thank you for that, Victor. I do appreciate it. Victor, say hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. So Victor has no idea what I do. So um, here we go. He's going to find out. Hallelujah. Pass the ammunition. While Alice and I were having lunch a few days later, there was a frantic knocking at the back door. It was Mrs. Stern. I invited her in. She lowered her considerable frame onto one of our narrow kitchen chairs and stared miserably at the floor until Alice tactfully left the room. After a few minutes, she raised her, he- her eyes. Reverend Basham. No mistaking my name this time. Something has happened which I don't understand. She paused, drew a shaky breath, and continued. I was praying this morning when a voice began to speak inside of me. I thought it was God because it was the same whispering I've heard before. She struggled for composure, then went on. But this morning, the voice began to make lewd suggestions. When I protested, it began to curse. I, it, it boasted that I belonged to it and that great harm would come to me if I did not obey. What should I do? I'm frightened. As calmly as my hammering heart would allow, I said, Mrs. Stern, from what you've said, I think we have to consider the possibility that an evil spirit is tormenting you. Why don't we pray? But at the mention of the word's evil spirit, Mrs. Stern jumped to her feet. I knew I shouldn't have come. I'm getting out of here. She rushed for the door. I followed, protesting. Mrs. Stern, you mustn't leave when you're so upset. Come back and sit down. I took her arm and tried to steer her toward a chair. Don't touch me, she pulled free. Leave me alone. She fled out the door and across the yard to her car. I went after her. "'Mrs. Stern, please, come back inside. You're in no condition to drive.' Searching for a way to regain control of the situation, I thought of removing the key from the ignition. I said nothing. I did not take my eyes from hers, and I made no move toward the car. Nevertheless, a crafty expression crossed Mrs. Stern's face. "'Oh, no, you don't,' she said. Jerking the car door open, she reached in and took the keys from the ignition. Then she slammed the car door and dashed across the street to my neighbor's yard, where she began trotting back and forth like a caged animal, wailing, leave me alone and stay away from me. I couldn't believe what was happening. Alice came outside and watched, helpless as I. Nothing in my seminary training, nothing from my courses in pastoral psychology or in my years of experience had taught me the proper way to chase an overwrought, overweight female parishioner around the neighborhood. Cars slowed down. Neighbors stared out their windows. I kept shaking my head and thinking, "'This is a bad dream.'" For a while longer, I begged Mrs. Stern to come inside, but she only paced faster and wailed louder. Not knowing what else to do, I finally nodded to Alice, and we both went back into the house. That's Alice being his wife. As soon as I had closed the door, Mrs. Stern scurried back across the street... "'jumped into her car, and roared off. "'You better call her husband, Don,' Alice had said. "'I learned later that the family doctor "'had referred Mrs. Stern to a psychiatrist. "'The psychiatrist, unfortunately, "'was unable to help her either. "'She remained agitated, nervous, and irrational. "'As her pastor, I had failed, Mrs. Stern. "'She had come to me for help.' and I had not been able to give it to her. Still, in some unexplained way, I had the feeling I was not altogether on a wrong track. That strange overreaction to my words about an evil spirit, the voice change when she became agitated, sounding, well, almost like a ventriloquist speaking through the mouth of a puppet, I felt that I had been on the verge of discovering something real and life-changing when, as usual, I had blown it by my own clumsiness. What on earth had made me mention to that unsuspecting lady the direction of my own private thinking? What was I thinking? I had forgotten that while I had been researching and pondering this whole weird realm, Mrs. Stern had not. No wonder I had nearly scared the wits out of her. Had I known then that I was going to encounter these symptoms many times over the course of uh over the over the course of the coming years, I would have handled things differently at the time however, I could o- I could only see that my approach had catapulted Mrs. Stern into a psychotic reaction and brought acute embarrassment to me. The whole idea of demons and demon possession had become utterly repulsive to me. I resolved that I would never again bring up the subject. If someone were to come to me about it, someone who believed in such things and wanted to help, well, I suppose I would not dismiss the idea as automatically as I once would have but I wasn't going to wish any such hobgoblin stuff on innocent people. And the chances of anyone in this day and age asking me to cast out a demon, I reflected reassuringly, was about as likely as a visit from the court jester. It was the following week that I had invited, that, that I was invited to speak in a small town just west of Pittsburgh in the Pennsylvania countryside. I drove the seventy miles on a beautiful, sunlit Sunday afternoon, twisting and curving my way through the picturesque hills and valleys of Western Pennsylvania. The church was located on a quiet street lined with beautiful elm trees. I pulled onto the churchyard. I pulled into the churchyard. In the closing-in dusk, fed by the beauty of the scene, a simple white-framed church stood against a backdrop of trees. Soft lights shone welcoming through the window arches, and the tall steeple seemed to beckon people to look up and see God. I introduced myself to the pastor, and we chatted on the church steps as additional cars pulled into the parking lot. Soon, we were joined by a rough-hewn man with a thatch of gray hair that looked as if it had not been combed all day, and a woman in a flowered print dress. My host introduced us. This was Brother Dawson and his wife, Stella. Brother Dawson was a pastor of a country church nearby. He was to share the platform with me that evening. The hour for the service arrived, and I took my place next to Brother Dawson. I was reviewing the things I wanted to say when somewhere, between the hymn singing and the announcements, Brother Dawson leaned toward me. He probably meant to speak in a whisper, but his voice was loud enough to be heard twelve pews back. We have a man here tonight. Who is possessed with demons and we want you to pray for him? If someone had thrown a pitcher of ice water in my face, I couldn't have been more startled. Here were jester, minstrels, knights in armor, the whole medieval panorama. Is that all right? I murmured, staring... Sp- sorry. Is that right? I murmured, staring straight ahead and trying to sound as if I received a dozen such requests each week. Actually, I was in a panic as I remembered Mrs. Stern. I had visions of trying to corral a wild man running all over the church. It was difficult to keep my mind on the service after that. At the close, we prayed and counseled with the people seeking help until only five of us were left. The pastor, gray-haired brother Dawson, his wife, Stella, myself, and the man who was possessed. I studied him covertly. He was a wizened little fellow, probably in his late fifties. Rummy eyes blinked nervously in a sallow face. What in the world had I got into? The pastor suggested we go down to a prayer room in the church basement. It was empty and cold. The floor was rugless, nor were the curtains at the windows high in the walls. Sorry. Nor were there curtains at the windows high in the walls, so that words had a hollow ring. The group turned to me. Shall we begin? My host said. What was I supposed to do now? I bowed my head, and we stood there in silence. I did not want to tell these good people how little I knew about the kind of ministry for fear of. These good people, how little I knew about this kind of ministry for fear of undermining their faith. I winced inwardly as I felt their eyes on me in innocent confidence. I was the important guest speaker from out of town, the seminary graduate, the spiritual expert. I closed my eyes. Lord Jesus, I breathed silently, protect these children of yours from any mistakes I may make. Shall we begin? The pastor said again. I motioned to the little man to sit down. He was shaking. I knew how he felt. Trying to appear calmer than I was, I told the man to relax, that we were there to help him, that he need not be afraid. "'You believe God can help you, don't you?' he nodded nervously. "'I guess so, but what are you going to do?' "'You want to get rid of them things tormenting you, don't you, Sam?' Brother Dawson said, putting his huge hand on Sam's shoulder. Sam lowered his head. "'Yes, I do.' "'Go ahead, Brother Basham,' said Brother Dawson.' Desperately, I tried to recall what I had read in the Bible about such moments. "'What seems to be Sam's difficulty?' I asked, stalling. Standing behind Sam, Brother Dawson tapped his own forehead with his big finger. "'He can't remember anything. "'We just got Sam out of the country hospital two weeks ago.' I cringed at the news. "'That's all I need,' I thought. "'A real mental case.' "'He thinks he's losing his marbles.' Brother Dawson went on, Stella and me. We've been trying to teach him scriptures. But when we ask him to say them back, his mind just goes blank. That's right, Sam interrupted, his eyes blinking owlishly. My mind goes blank, just goes blank. Dawson went on to say that Sam himself thought he had been bound by evil spirits. That's what you said, right, Sam? He clapped Sam on the shoulder. Sam said that was right. So we brought you here to be delivered, right, Sam? Sam's face crumpled, it began to whimper. Just goes blank. Dawson stepped aside, and once again, all eyes turned to me. Still fighting panic, I asked aloud for Jesus to protect us in all that we were about to do. Then I remembered something. Before dealing with the lunatic man in Gadara, Jesus had commanded the spirit troubling him to give him its name. According to the Bible, I said, Evil spirits have names. Deaf spirit, dumb spirit, legion, names like that. I also recalled the sentence, With authority he commands the unclean spirits. So I determined to sound authoritative. I should have warned Sam. I should have warned Sam first, but feeling both foolish and desperate, I leaned over to him and in a loud voice cried out, By the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to give your name. Sam's reaction was immediate. He jumped high in his chair and let out a shriek. Sam Jenkins, he shouted. That's my name, Sam Jenkins. Brother Dawson's eyes twinkled. Well, he remembers his name anyhow. Hoping I didn't look as idiotic as I felt, I apologized. No, Sam, you don't understand. I wasn't speaking to you. I was speaking to those... to that. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was speaking to that... thing tormenting you. Don't you see? You mean the demon? Yes, Sam. I mean the... uh, demon. We want to find out what it is. Now, let's try again, okay? You, spirit tormenting sam i said in a softer voice by the authority of jesus christ i command you to tell me who you are sam screwed up his face forgetfulness i looked at the pastor forgetfulness i echoed the pastor nodded encouragingly i took another deep breath then plunged ahead all right you spirit of forgetfulness i command you in the name of jesus to come out of sam sam shuddered slightly and sighed I watched him carefully for a moment, but nothing else happened. ''Think it came out, Sam?'' Brother Dawson asked. Sam opened his eyes. He seemed a little calmer. ''I don't know. Maybe.'' ''Let's try again,'' I said. I repeated the command. Once again, Sam seemed to give an involuntary, mild shudder. ''Was anything really happening?'' ''One more time, I ordered the spirit of forgetfulness to leave.'' Sam trembled again, more violently this time. For several seconds, it seemed as if he was having some kind of seizure. Just as I began to be frightened, the shaking stopped. And then I saw something which amazed me, and which completely changed the mood of the scene there in that echoing basement prayer room. For an invisible mask seemed to slip from Sam's face, and some lurking, dare I say, presence... Behind his eyes seemed to melt away. It's hard to put into words exactly how Sam changed. It was as if he had been wearing spectacles which distorted the way he really looked. Those spectacles were now removed. Sam looked different. With a shy smile, he glanced up at the Dawson's. For the very first time, I began to wonder if this were more than a meaningless performance. I had been acting in imitation of certain biblical events, but deep within me where my most honest self lives, I had doubted, and I had been afraid that I was trespassing on a province that had best be left to the mystics and to the powerful. And then the thing happened which undid me altogether, for Sam began to speak. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy sins, and healeth all thy diseases. And on and on, in a quiet voice, Sam continued to quote scripture. Those are the Bible verses we've been teaching him, Stella said. He's never been able to repeat a one. For the next several minutes, we listened "'in wonder as Sam recited passage after passage. "'And Sam wept. "'Thank God,' Brother Dawson said softly. "'Oh, thank God. I was amazed. "'It was awesome. I felt ten feet tall. "'As we made our way out of the church, "'Sam edged over to me and gripped my hand. "'He looked younger. "'Thank you, Brother,' he said. "'You must have great faith to be able to do that. "'No, Sam,' I replied. If you want to know the truth i was just as frightened as you were but we can thank god for what he has done for you tonight yes sam nodded then almost parenthetically he added you know for years i've been hearing a strange voice in fact it kept yammering at me all the way here tonight you go to that meeting and you'll die it said over and over it kept saying that that's why i was so scared then he smiled but the devil always was a liar wasn't he On the drive back to Sharon, I had plenty to think about. As I considered the strange series of events which had been battering and shaping my ministry since the days of those powerful prayer meetings in Toronto, I could not shake the feeling that this night's experience was the most crucial of all. Yet, on the other hand, the bizarre incident I had just been through seemed almost too far out to believe. Couldn't driving through a tunnel can't see it's rather dark all right where was i couldn't what happened to sam be explained psychologically couldn't my authoritative role-playing have given him a chance to bring to the surface and shake off some clear some early trauma some carryover from childhood How could anyone in his right mind in the 20th century believe that we had actually dislodged from Sam's personality some alien, evil, spiritual entity? But then I reminded myself I had agreed for the time being to leave the preconceptions of the century out of it. For the present, I was applying the scientific method. Observe first. Try to fit your observations into a system of thought later. And, I had to confess, taking the Bible at its literal word had produced results. I'm going to read that again. And, I had to confess, taking the Bible at its literal word had produced results. I'm going to read it one more time. And, I had to confess, taking the Bible as its, at its literal word had produced results. There was no arguing, arguing that. I fell into bed that night with the first glimmer of hope I had had about this whole strange business, and probably forgot my own hard-earned lesson. I had been invited to lead a house prayer meeting in nearby Ohio. Without remembering the disastrous consequences of springing this topic unprepared on Mrs. Stern, I had launched into a description of the experience with Sam Jenkins icily, my hostess interrupted. I never let myself think about loathsome things like Satan and evil spirits, she said. I keep my thoughts on Jesus. What's so loathsome about a man being set free from torment, I began, then recalled too late how many weeks had passed before I could even the halfway objective view I now tried to assume towards such things. Perhaps I did make the incident sound a bit dramatic. I apologized. Nevertheless, it happened just the way I told it. But the lady was not buying. We invited you here, she scolded, to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the wonderful clean things that have been happening in your church. We had no idea you were mixed up in anything so far out. It strikes me that your friend Sam Jenkins, or someone, is suffering from overactive imagination. There was no mistaking her tone, whose imagination she meant. Don. I asked myself as I climbed into my car two strained and unproductive hours later, where are you going to learn to keep your big mouth shut do not i drilled myself all the way home do not ever initiate this topic wait for people to come to you if they're going to if god wants you to find out more about this area he'll send situations your way but don't go out looking for trouble And the very next week, it seemed to me that such a situation did present itself. A woman who attended another church in Sharon phoned to ask if she could come in for a consultation. Over the telephone, she described her difficulties with a violent and abusive husband. The next morning, she came to my office at the church and spent a long hour telling me the details of her troubles. I feel so hounded, she concluded sadly. I sometimes wonder if my husband doesn't have a... Well, a demon or something. It's so cruel. My heart skipped a beat. Could God be offering me another opportunity to experiment with biblical tools? Much too quickly, I plunged into a description of the authority the first disciples had assumed in Jesus's name over evil spirits. I don't know what you mean, the woman said. I mean the spirit of violence in your husband. The woman got up out of her chair, eyes fixed warily on mine. "'You sound like someone from the Middle Ages,' she said. "'Are you sure you know what you're talking about?' I felt my face flush. No, I wasn't at all sure. Certainly, I should have approached the subject more slowly. Instead, I compounded one mistake with another. "'But you,' I said defensively, "'are the one who brought up the subject of demons.' "'Oh, that! That was just a figure... "'Just a figure of, of, of speech!' I didn't mean for you to take it literally. She sat down again. Can you just pray for me? I came here for strength. Reaching into her purse, she drew out a handkerchief and pressed it to her cheek. I realized I would fumbled the ball once again. I reverted to the role of consoling pastor, listened to her troubles for another half hour, and knitted by saying a long and probably ineffectual prayer about them. At the close, though, she seemed relieved. She smiled and patted me on the hand and stood up. "'Thank you for listening to all my problems and for the prayer. "'I feel much better now.' "'She had one hand on the knob when she paused. "'You know, you really frightened me when you began to talk about—' "'She gave a little shudder. "'Evil spirits.' "'Then she laughed. "'But this persecution from my husband, it's very real, you know. "'It's not just some imaginary demon or something.' "'She sighed. "'But that prayer was just beautiful.' You ministers are such a comfort. I saw her to the outside door. Then I returned to my office and slumped down at my desk. Right then, I couldn't care less whether evil spirits were imaginary or not. I was thoroughly disenchanted with the whole unwelcome subject that seemed to bring me nothing but awkwardness and embarrassment. From now on, I would concentrate on the positive aspects of Christianity. I'd forget the entire distaste distasteful topic of Satan and evil powers and get back to working on my book manuscript. It seemed a much safer endeavor. I didn't realize that this very decision would prove a big factor in launching me toward precisely the area I wanted to avoid.